Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Good afternoon. I'm guessing most of you are listening to this podcast sometime in the afternoon. And maybe it's a Saturday afternoon. You're doing chores around the house or washing a car or driving somewhere. I don't know, maybe it's a Sunday and you uh, you decided to sit back and listen to some podcasts. So thanks for taking a little bit of time with me. I'm looking forward to sharing an idea with you today. I've long believed that we could take any person we meet, even randomly on the street, and pull them into a studio, set them on a chair, give them a microphone, give them enough time and enough warmth and kindness for them to relax and trust and get them to tell us their life story. Anyone who is, I don't know, 25 years old or older, maybe even younger than that, but anyone who's been around the block at least a couple of times, we could get that person to tell their story. And if they would tell their story unedited, if they would tell the story of their life and of how they were raised and of what they've learned and what they've suffered and and suffering that they brought on themselves or problems that were brought on in their life by others, if they could just tell their story, we would all be spellbound. This is probably true of you. It's probably true that you're the kind of person that if I brought into the studio and did the same thing, your life story would move us to joy and to tears, maybe both, maybe simultaneously. Many of you I know, and I'm grateful to know you, and some of you have even had the chutzpah to tell me your story, or at least part of your story, and for that I'm eternally grateful. And today I'd like to share with you the idea of the story of your life. And there's something we ran across a while ago. We weren't really sure what to make of it when we were researching the way highly effective leaders, managers, supervisors, folks who are influencing others to daring them to be great, and they've been effective for a long period of time, the way they think and the way they think about themselves and the story they tell themselves about their life. Because, you know, if I were to put you on that stool in the studio and have you speak about your life, you would remember some things and not remember other things. And you would look at uh, the events of your life and how you react to those events through some lenses. Well, we have found out that every person who is effective, every, what I'd like to call, to borrow a term, transformational leader, every leader we've ever known who has made a big difference in some way and dared a team of people to be great and they've changed the course of a subculture or a small part of society or a large part of society or economics or education or health or innovation in some way or finance or in the military, every one of these leaders like you are one of these folks who has a way that they tell their story, the story of their life. There's there, there's a framework almost, if you want to think of it that way, about how they tell their story. First of all, they tell the story to themselves differently than others do about themselves. And then secondly, there's a bit of a framework that it fell into. It took us a long time to start noticing this and to put it together. 
At first, we noticed that they tended to be a little more optimistic and forward-looking in their explanation, and we thought that was about the only framework there was. But come to find out, the more we looked and the more we listened, the more a model or a framework about the story of their life as told to themselves and then to others began to take shape. So I would like to, in this podcast, share with you the six elements that make up the framework of the story of your life that you tell yourself and that you tell others, if indeed you're one of these amazing people. You'll probably see yourself in here. I hope you do. And it's impressive and it's a wonderful thing. And by the way, if you don't, if you listen through over the next few minutes and think, do I, do I have this same story I tell myself about my life and you don't see yourself? Well, you can. You can easily change the story you tell your life. Without changing any of the facts on the ground, we can tell the story different. But of course, you probably want to know uh, what kind of bourbon I'm going to be enjoying. I have I just now pulled it out and uh, it is a bourbon f- that's made, actually, bottled in Spokane, Washington. It's called Dry Fly. I hope you've had a chance to try it. The one I'm trying is the Dry Fly Bourbon 101. Age three years, and bourbon is not necessarily better or worse if it's aged three years over four years or four years over six years. It just depends on how it's aged and where it's aged, and it has a description that comes with it. Let me tell you, I'll just go through it real quick, just in case you were to find a bottle of Dry Fly Bourbon 101. It says, <laughs> here's what it says, this spirit exudes sweet butterscotch aromas painted with summer peach, walnut shell, and oatmeal. (laughs) If someone were to say, I'd like to give you some butterscotch, peach, walnut shell, and oatmeal, I'd think, is this breakfast? Are you giving me some breakfast? Oh no, I'm giving you bourbon. Maybe bourbon for breakfast, but that might be just a bit much, all right? Then it goes on to say, the initial sip lights up the palate with an effect of burnt orange peel and marshmallow. Okay, well, (laughs) anyway, it ends up with some, it says, with the the aftertaste of apricot nectar. So, I don't know. Let's try it. There's one small ice cube in here. I'll pour just a little bit, set this over here off to the side, so that when I wave my arms when I'm talking, I don't knock it over. Let's see. Let's see how this looks. It's uh, it's not super dark. It's kind of a medium side. Looks like a weak tea kind of color to it. And... I probably smelled it too soon. The alcohol is just coming off of it with that one ice cube. But wow, <laughs> it'll open your sinuses right up. It's not as strong as some I've smelled, but it it's definitely, uh, it smells kind of clean. Not like a cleaner, you know, it's not like Ajax or something like that. But, but oh, there, now it's starting to, now it's starting to have a nice smell. Oh, that's good. All right, let's give it a, let's give it a sip and see what the first taste is like. Maybe it's the power of suggestion. Maybe that's what it is. But I definitely get, the, it says on the on the label, uh, kind of a pico tea note and apricot nectar. Wow, I definitely get those tastes. And that's just the first sip. That's really interesting. How did they identify that? I wouldn't have thought of pico tea. I would have just thought of Lipton tea because I'm that kind of guy. I'm not that fancy, right? But it has a little bit afternote of a, of a Lipton tea and definitely an afternote of apricot nectar. Let's see how well it pairs with the, the cigar that I'm smoking. 
Okay, so the cigar I'm going to enjoy with this, of course, is one of my favorites. This is the Dumont Silver Cigar. This one is the D10. Uh, if you know anything about Chris Dumont, D-O-U-M-I-T-T, he's a, I've mentioned his cigars on the podcast before, and he's a guy that lives in northwestern Oregon, and he is the, the guy who does all the gold counting and weighing and for Parker's group up there on Gold Rush. He's, the, he's kind of the wise guy of the entire of the entire program, and uh, he's a pretty pretty sharp guy, but he likes cigars, and so he started his own cigar company, and this one is called the Dumont Silver D10. I've got a really nice torch that I'll get this started with right here, and you know, I'll edit a lot of this out because you don't want to be listening to someone light a cigar in a podcast. So this, this cigar is a big one. It's a great big one. I feel a little bit when I smoke these like, I don't know, like a Mafia Dawn or something like that. It's six inches long and it's got a 58 ring. So that's about the size of my thumb, maybe slightly larger than my thumb, roughly in, in circumference, about that same size. It's got a nice, beautiful, dark wrapper. It's a Sumatra, Sumatra Ecuadorian wrapper. Nice. And the binder... And the filler are both from the Dominican Republic. As a Dominican cigar, it'll have a little bit of a smooth start, and then it gets spicier and spicier as I enjoy it. So this will be interesting to see how well this pairs with the Dry Fly Bourbon 101, with with the Pico Tea and Apricot Nectar and Oatmeal and Burnt Orange and Marshmallow. I don't know. That's That sounds like... Sounds like a bunch of stuff just left over from a Sunday night dinner, doesn't it? <laughs> good stuff, though. Let's see. Chris Dumit, you did a good job. These are wonderful cigars. Dumit Cigar. They're not a sponsor by any means. Just go go find out their website. It's D-O-U-M-I-T-T cigar.com. One more sip of the bourbon, and let's get started. Wow, I didn't give a lot of forethought to matching those two, the bourbon and the cigar. But wow, serendipitous. This is wonderful stuff together. I wish you were here. I always say that. I actually mean it. I wish you were right here. I wouldn't be recording this podcast if you were here. We'd just be sitting down talking, and I'd have you tell me your life story. And I'd listen not only in rapt, respectful attention to your life story, but how you tell it and what framework it takes. So let's dive in while I'm enjoying this cigar, and uh, the sound booth is filling with clouds of smoke and the smell of Burnt orange and dry fly bourbon. <laughs> uh, there we go. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, let's dive in. What is your story about your life? When you think about your life, what is your story about your life? What, what do you tell yourself about your life? In this podcast, I'd like to share with you that framework of every really effective transformational leader I know that they actually have developed in very close to this framework as they tell their life story to themselves and then to others. In fact, this framework is probably very similar to what every deeply happy and joyful person, no matter the waves that have crashed over the bow of their ship, uses to tell their own life story. What is your life story? In fact, if this is an intriguing question to you, you might want to pause this podcast right here and think for a couple of minutes. What is my life story and how do I talk about my life to myself and then to others, those who are genuinely respectfully interested? What is your life story? If you change it to match a framework similar to the one I'm going to suggest to you, you might be surprised at the outcome. So here we go. Let's, let's dive in. There seem to be a couple of kinds of 
life stories. There's probably more than two, but I'll, we'll make it simple. We'll make it broad brush strokes so you can see two general types of life stories that people tell themselves, that we tell ourselves. There is the life story that says good things always end up being ruined. <laughs> you know, this is a person who says um, a good deed never goes unpunished. This is a person who says whenever something good happens, I'm waiting for the other foot to fall. Okay, so that's that style of life story. Whenever something good happens, just wait. It's going to be messed up. Psychologists actually like to call this a contamination story. That comes from some, some work by a fascinating writer named Dan McAdams. He wrote a book that I ran across a while ago and enjoyed thoroughly called Stories That Americans Live By. He points out that one of those categories of stories is a type called the contamination story. These people seem to be kind of stuck in a loop. Instead of learning from the past and moving on, they, they relive kind of a sequence in their life, almost as if they were trying to get it right the next time, but they never really do. You might know people like this. They have defective man pickers or defective woman pickers. They get fired from jobs and go on to their next job and get fired for the same kind of reason. They make the same kind of financial mistakes over and over again. They just seem to never learn. Their life is like a, a story of a continual loop that just, even if it's a big and complex story with many, many facets to it, they'll end up back where they started because they have this internal kind of story that says good things are always followed by bad things and there's not much I can do about it. It's like they're a dark poem. And you've even, you've even seen writers and screenplay writers and novelists capture this theme. And you know it's going to happen. You know that right around the corner some wonderful thing happens, but it'll be followed up by a bad thing. And then if it's a vicious cycle instead of a virtuous cycle, the bad thing is worse than the good thing was good. So they spiral downward. All right, so that's the first big bucket that ah, good things do happen and I'm able to make good things happen, but they're always followed by things that are equally bad or worse. We call that a contamination story. Of course, you can imagine then the other, the opposite of that, the polar opposite of that is what uh, McAdams calls a redemptive story. This person believes that even bad events turn eventually out to be good. There's something in them that is good. And most of the time, not always, but most of the time, we look back with distance on those difficult, bad, hard things, and we say, you know, I'm in a better place than I would have been if that had not happened. Not that I would choose it or want to do it again, but I'm in a better place, that, th that my life is a story of redemption. People who have a redemptive life story narrative that they've created, they actually find value in the struggle. They see the negatives and the failures, and they look for ways to learn and to pivot and to grow in the middle of that. Instead of looking at difficulty like a crippling tragedy, they see it as a sidestep or a pivot or a setback that enables them to grow and to learn. They don't even see themselves necessarily as just resilient, but they feel like as a result of that challenge, they are better and stronger than they were. And this allows them to contend with future challenges. We talked quite a bit about this kind of person, although we didn't identify this as a redemptive story in our five or six part series in this podcast called Built for the Storm. And you can also get, by the way, shameless plug, you can go to hiltacademy.thinkific.com. 
T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C.com. And I've mentioned this before, we have a we have a course you can buy that unpacks this kind of person. And it's called Built for the Storm. It's a several-part series where we walk you through how these people have literally designed themselves and designed their lives, taken control of parts of their lives and worked from their values all the way up to their habits and disciplines so that they can thrive in the storm. One of the characteristics that's true of them, we did not call this out in that series, is that they have this thing that McAdams calls a redemptive life story. So how about you? When you tell your life story, if I were to pull you up here and put the microphone in front of you and give you a bourbon and see how many bourbons it would take for you to relax and start trusting the conversation and trusting me, do you have a contamination story or a redemptive story? Which one is you? Interesting. So it's obvious then that the people who are transformational and the people who are joyful and the people who tackle their life's challenges and come out shining on the other end almost all the time have a redemptive story that they tell themselves about life itself and about their life. They do not have a contamination story. They don't have a bad things happen in threes kind of thing (laughs) that goes on in their life. Some of them have, again, to borrow from McAdams, some of them have what's called a generative mindset. They've gotten to a stage in their life where they're thinking about all that they have experienced and they're thinking, how can I hand this off to the next generation? Now, folks typically who have a generative mindset are thinking, we we usually mean they're thinking about the next generation in life, like their grandchildren or their children or something like that. But it's also scalable, the concept of a generative mindset in that I, I can use it at work. A person who has a generative mindset at work and has a redemptive life story they tell themselves about their career or their job or their work is a person who's concerned about passing on what they have learned and how they've learned it to the person who will replace them rather than leaving the job as they get promoted or move on to some other part of the organization or some other part of the career in a big shambles for someone else to clean up. That's a generative mindset. They want to leave a good thing behind them for the next person to follow. That's a generative mindset. All right, so let's get right down to some specifics here. I'll go through this fairly straightforward and see if you can see yourself in this. You probably will. If you have got a redemptive life story that you tell yourself, first of all, it's very important that you understand and that I understand that the life story has to be authentically told to ourselves first. I can't tell you an, an external life story that I do not believe myself. I'm inauthentic. I'm being dishonest with myself. And the story just doesn't hold water after a period of time. So start internally. Think about yourself. How do I talk to myself about my life? Now, if you're 15 or 16 years old listening to this right now, you probably haven't had enough life yet to tell much of a story. But you can start telling your life story up to now using a framework like this. But if you're more like me... <laughs> You are at least 50 years beyond that 15-year-old stage. (laughs) Do the math. I'm 64. Then you have a lot of life story behind you that you can tell. Here we go. Here are the six different elements that we pulled out of people's life story who are transformational leaders, who are joyful and happy people and highly effective. When they tell their life story... They say six different things, not necessarily in this order in exactly this right way, but here's the basics of it. The first one is they believe and say to themselves that I am blessed. They feel like I have a gift and I am special. That doesn't mean they believe that they're arrogant or somehow above others. 
They, they believe that blessing, that specialness that they have got, has set them up to see things, to have a vision, and to have an influence that's different than others around them. They don't think I'm the only one who's blessed or I'm the only one who's special. They just think that they are, and they are in a specific kind of way. The, the longer they go through life, the more clear that becomes to them. Every one of these transformational leaders thinks this about herself or himself. The second thing, they actually say, I am empathetic. I can genuinely empathize with other people's suffering, other people's plight, other people's struggle. And when I do see that and I do empathize with them, my default response is to try to do something about it. Now, of course, what we can do about it is different based upon our place in life and where we are and how we grew up and opportunities before us. But some of us want to do something about it by directly helping the person in small ways, some in large ways. Some of us want to use that empathy to move us to change the structure or the system in which that person lives that's held them down for so long, something as grand as that, or to try to shape society in, even, in an even grander way. But it's the same impulse. I'm empathetic. I can feel, I can empathize with other people's pain and suffering. And I've always wanted my entire life to do something about, about it when other people are suffering. The third thing that uh, is true of the framework of the story that these transformational people tell themselves is, I know right from wrong. And when I see wrong, I stand up to it. And so they can tell stories about their entire life. So I'm blessed, I'm empathetic, I know right from wrong and I stand up for what's right. The fourth thing is in, when I tell my life story or maybe you when you're like this or these leaders that we've studied and want to emulate, they all believe that bad, difficult, struggle, painful things, bad things always eventually give way to good. They believe that constraints are a gift and to quote the old stoic, the obstacle is not in the way, it is the way. They genuinely believe that difficulty yields good things, eventually, okay? The fifth element, there's only six, so the fifth element is that I, if I'm telling my life story to myself or others, and I'm one of these transformational, joyful leaders, I know how to balance service to others with personal ambition. That is to say, I balance getting ahead with giving giving and supporting for others and getting ahead. I balance those two. I balance ambition and service. And they are balanced. It's, you, you can't have one without the other. It's just like in, in business. Uh, if a business isn't making money, it has to have profit or else it can't fulfill its promises for tomorrow. Profit is the cost of fulfilling my promises tomorrow in any given business. Profit isn't to be spent on me, it's to be spent on fulfilling the promises that we have made to our employees, to our customers who trust us, to, if you're in a nonprofit world, to, to folks who have given you money. It's the cost of doing business tomorrow is another way of thinking about that. All right, here's the sixth thing. I have a bright future. I will continue to grow. I will continue to, the, to flourish until I take my last breath. I haven't peaked I'm not on the downside of life. I'm not going to stop learning and stop growing and stop creating and stop loving and stop giving and stop investing. And that, that's just not going to happen. I have a bright future. There you have all six of those. I'll say them again. Are they you? Is this the story you tell yourself? I'm blessed. I'm empathetic. 
I know right from wrong. Bad gives way to good. I know how to balance ambition and service. I've got a bright future. This is the framework of every one of these transformational, joyful leaders we've ever had the pleasure of living with, working with, studying, and being around. So what about you? What about you? How do you talk to yourself about yourself? What is the story of your life? Think about that a little bit. Because you may not sit down and actually tell your whole story. Maybe if you're going to go somewhere and you get introduced to a group of people and person who introduces you will hit a couple of highlights, but that's not your life story. What is your life story? Well, you're blessed. You're empathetic. You know right from wrong. Bad gives way to good. You know how to balance ambition and service, and you've got a bright future. That is actually the storyline with all the wonderful color commentary and details that hang in between of your life. So where do you go with this? Listen to the story of your life. Listen to the story you tell yourself in the background. Listen to it over the next few days in your mind. Maybe if you really want to become significantly more effective, under pressure especially, as a transformational leader, maybe you should take a half a day. Go out somewhere, sit down alone, and write out the story of your life following those six basic storyline points. Is that you? Or do you have a contamination story in your leadership? Well, good things happen, but they're always going to be messed up with bad things. <laughs> Think about that just a little bit. You know, you got challenges ahead of you. Could be a lot harder. Just don't make it harder than it needs to be. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, I've, I've enjoyed sharing this idea with you. I hope it is helpful. I hope it's encouraging. I hope some point in time we get to sit down and have a cigar and a bourbon together. This bourbon and this cigar go really well together. Oh, mm. I let the cigar go out, which I often do. I'm going to relight it, and I'm going to top off my bourbon and put my feet up and enjoy. This is being recorded on a Wednesday afternoon in the beautiful, sunny Pacific Northwest. I'm going to go outside, put my feet up, and stare at the water. I hope your life is blessed, and you know you got a bright future. <laughs> That's the story you tell yourself. It's actually true. Hey, take care. Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.